So we've all heard of the Sermon on the Mount. It is probably the greatest sermon ever given of all time. But it's only found in the Gospel of Matthew. There is a very similar sermon found in the Gospel of Luke that we are studying. Let me tell you a couple of the similarities. They both have these at the beginning things called the Beatitudes. And so Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor, for on and on and on. They both take things from ancient Israelite law and reframe it through this new law of love. But there's a couple distinctive differences between these two sermons. Luke's is much shorter, much more concise. But the thing that I found most interesting this time was that right before he gives the sermon, Jesus says this. He looked up at his disciples and said, See, this sermon on the plain, the scripture tells us that he came down from the mountain in Luke and they were on level ground. This sermon was for people that were already interested in following Jesus. These were for the people that said, we're signing up. We're in to walk with you for the next several years. They did not know that it would only be a few years These are the ones that after Jesus dies would then be persecuted for their faith. These were the ones that after Jesus died would be responsible for making sure that this message, this gospel, this good news was shared with the world. This is a sermon for us today. And my prayer is that as Pastor Stacy said, that this ancient word today that that ancient word might be able to confront us, to comfort us, but to challenge us. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that your spirit is within us. Help us to not fear whatever it is you are wanting to mold and change us into but to embrace it and for us to leave here feeling freer. In Christ's name, amen. Hear now again from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says to the disciples, I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you for even sinners? Love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom from you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But 
love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, your reward, your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm sure that all of us have heard these words before. In fact, our whole lives, if we've been coming to church, or even if we just recently have, we sing about this stuff. This is supposed to be the one thing that sets us apart. They will know we are Christians. It it might be like the, the most important act as followers of Jesus in the world that we are supposed to go forth and we are supposed to do this love thing so well and so recklessly. But for some reason, I sometimes think it's more of a suggestion. And so I set up these like markers for, for when I should love my enemy. And so you know, number one, if the enemy is not too bad. When I think the enemy has the possibility of changing. When I am sure that the enemy will not hurt me. And last, as long as that enemy has not used up all of their chances with me. I take it as a suggestion. Love your enemies if. But it's not a suggestion, it's a command. It's not just a command, it's like something we are supposed to go out into the world and seek to do. We are supposed to live with intention of loving our enemies. Now, while the list that Jesus gives in this Lucan passage is not exhaustive, he's not going to give us the list of all the different ways, I do want us to dive into what are the ways that Jesus tells us. And he says to do good. He says that we are to bless and then we're to pray for our enemies. Do good, bless, and pray. So first is do good to the enemy. In all circumstances, when someone wrongs us, we just shouldn't wrong them back. It's pretty simple. In Christ, there is not retribution. There is redemption. Because of Christ, there is not revenge. There is only mercy. You see, in Christ, the laws of physics that we have been raised on knowing, they do not apply. Newton's third law of physics says, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. In Christ, love is not equal to hate. Love always is more of a reaction, a greater reaction than hate. Christ calls us to react differently with whatever enemy it is that is in our life. It feels illogical. It it doesn't feel like biologically right that when someone wrongs us, we should not wrong them back. And there are times in my life where I have been even supported by my community, by my friends and family to do back and treat back the way that I have been treated. God calls us 
to a different way of living with enemies because we will always have them. This is a reality of life. And the first thing that Jesus says is, do good. I wonder if sometimes that just means intentionally not doing bad. So maybe if you've been browsing a certain social media or watching a certain news feed or hanging around with certain people and all you can seem to think about is how much they are the enemy, maybe you take a break for a period of time. How about those friends or family that you know whenever you get below the surface with a conversation? It's probably going to end up hurting someone in the room. What if you decide when that conversation begins to go that way that you move away or you move on? Think about it. What if God acted the way towards us that we acted towards God? Martin Luther King says it this way, when the opportunity presents itself, When the opportunity presents itself when you can defeat your enemy, you must not do it. One of the greatest ways we can do good to those that are hateful towards us is how we talk about them. And so Jesus' next command, bless those that curse you. This literally means in Greek, people that are talking hateful about you. And Jesus is saying, when people say hurtful and hateful things to you, bless them. This is huge for us in 2022 because compared to first century Palestine, all of us have access to be able to communicate our words in so many more ways. There are so many more clever ways that we could possibly share hurtful words But see, once again, Newton's law does not apply. The natural natural reaction when someone verbalizes something hurtful or ugly to you is to return it in kind, to do an equal and opposite reaction. Here, Jesus says, I want you to give a reaction. The word bless literally means in Greek, good word. Jesus wants us to give to our enemy a good word word, a praise. When someone speaks ill of you, Jesus calls us to say a good word about them. So does this mean Jesus wants us just to speak like we like our enemies? I mean, isn't that where the phrase, bless your heart, came from? <laughs> you hear them and then, and then you say, well, bless his heart. And I found this great image of what that really means. Bless your heart, I'm praying for you. Or I I don't care, but I feel like I should. You're pitiful, but you don't know it. Can I bring you a casserole? I wish I could say what I'm really thinking. Jesus didn't ask us to be fake. What Jesus is asking us to do, it is illogical but it's to not retaliate, to not come back with others at evil, even when it feels so justifiable to do so. One of the biggest life lessons that I am learning and I wish I had begun learning decades ago is that when someone says something hurtful to me, 
like 95% of that really doesn't have to do with me. It really has to do with something going on in that own person's soul. I think the reason that Jesus makes sure to take this part of his sermon on the plane to talk about how we're supposed to treat our enemies is because Jesus knew how much mental and emotional and physical energy our enemies would take from us. But I also think it's because Jesus' heart is always close to the wounded. And Jesus knew that hurt people hurt people. Jesus knew that when people are acting ugly towards another, Jesus is as much concerned for the one that is hurting as the one that is being hurt. When most people are mean and say ugly things, it doesn't have to do with the person that they're acting ugly toward. It has to do with themselves. My mother modeled this so beautifully for me. I was a teenager, I must have been a junior or senior because I remember being able to drive and it seemed like my mom's job was to make me not have fun. And she had told me something along the lines of, you can't spend the night out on a weeknight. I looked at her and with full conviction, I said, I hate you. And she looked back at me and she said, that hurts, but you don't mean it. I said, yes, I do. And she said, how's it making you feel? And I stormed off. My mom chose in her wisdom to not hurt me back. She chose to not take it personally, realizing this had much more to do with me working through my own teenager adolescence. Bless those that curse you. Because there is a huge possibility that they are hurting. And you might be the only person in their day who is going to react to the way that they abused you or persecuted you with love. Do good, bless, and pray for your enemies. This last one is very personal. Jesus is asking us to have a conversation with God with the people that we don't like. I can think of better conversations I'd like to have with God. Seems almost like a waste of time. You see, the ground for the feet of God is level for all people. Before our awesome God, all of us realize in that moment how we sang earlier, how absolutely reckless is God's love for us. That God would leave 99 and go seek the one that wandered off by herself. That the son that abandoned and stole from the father is the one that's welcomed back with a party this is the one who at the, on the cross looks down at the people who are literally crucifying him and says, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. The Greek word for pray means to fall prostrate before. This is, this is why we bow our heads now because we don't kneel in the Presbyterian congregation, but we bow our heads, we open our arms. It's this sign of humility and submission. It's a visual that says, I come before you, Father. I come before you with humility, with open ears to hear you, with open arms for you to direct me, and with an open heart for you to change me. Jesus closes out this section and says, when you do these things, your reward will be great. Now, to be sure, he doesn't mean you will just do this 
to get something. He's reminded us several times in the scripture, we don't act this way to get something in return. You see, but when we do these, when we live in love, bottom line, it feels better. The fruit of the spirit is most ripe when we are loving. And so when we choose to love out of nowhere, you have a a sense of a joy and of peace and of patience, wondering where it came from that I have self-control and kindness and generosity. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian in the midst of World War II in Nazi Germany. And he said, Jesus Christ lived in the midst of his enemies. At the end of his, at the end, all his disciples had deserted him. On the cross, he was utterly alone surrounded by evildoers and mockers. For this cause he had come to bring peace to the enemies of God. So the Christian too belongs not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but in the thick of foes. There is his commission, her work. May it be so in my life and in yours. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, it pierces through our souls to hear this word because it feels so unnatural and it feels like we're not protecting ourselves. It feels unsafe. Oh God, I'm so glad we're doing this together as a community of faith, that we can lean on one another, that we can share in this labor of love that you have called us to. May we know that it is only with your help and your example that we will be able to go and do it. And may that sustain us. In Christ's name, amen.